I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. This will certainly have an adult theme and might well contain strong scenes of sex or violence, which could be quite graphic. It may also contain some very explicit language, which will frequently mean sexual swear words. What do you like listening to? Um... <laughs> Chart music. <laughs> Chart music. Youngsters, and welcome to the latest edition of Chart Music, the podcast that gets its hands right down the back of the sofa on an episode of Top of the Pops and then washes them while it sings the first 20 seconds of reggae like it used to be. <laughs> I'm your host, Al Needham, and by my side are Neil Kulkarne. Hello there. And Sarah B. All right, love. <coughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Don't worry about it. It's just me doing an uh, over-enthusiastic A-up. <laughs> so, the pop things, the interesting things, that's what I want to hear about. Well, um, I got an interesting knock on the door um, since Ooh, I last spoke no. to you. Um, yeah, this was in the, uh, sort of uh, just after Christmas. Um, the door knocked at about, well, the doorbell went at about seven o'clock at night. Um, which is strange around my mm. way. Um, so when I opened the door, and who's on my doorstep but Horace Panther from the special? No! Um, yeah, he just pitched up. And you know, I mean, I don't want to go on about it, but you know he did that painting of that photo of me shaking that hands with a milkshake? Dungeon. God bless him. <laughs> he, um, he popped round with that, and he gave it me. Um, Fucking hell. As a Christmas present. It was surreal for me, oh. sitting in my living room, having a cup of tea with, um, yeah, the bass player at a band I've loved for years. And, and well, all my life. And, you know, he also gave me a little present for Sophia, who, as you know, is my daughter, who's a massive metalhead. He used to right. do uh, the bass sound teching for Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses. <laughs> and he right. had a plectrum um, that had been <gasps> casually thrown to him by Duff McKagan back in the day. Um, so I passed this on to Sophia. So a very surve- uh, surreal trip, but he was a lovely, lovely fella. Oh, and it, and it, and it filled, A gentleman. Yeah, a gent, a true will. gent. And, and uh, yeah, filled me full of the Christmas spirit. Um, to a certain extent, um, at just the right time. So that that was very pop, very interesting, extremely and, um, interesting. Yes, and that painting now has pride of place in my house. It looks beautiful. <laughs> up and where is mo- it? Um, it's it's downstairs in between two rooms. It's a beautiful moment where walkers down my hallway can stop, look, and and admire my gormless expression, <laughs> and and also the lovely thumbs up from the milkshake guy, which I yeah. think is is key to the joy of that painting, really. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> That's so beautiful. It was a lovely moment. Oh, um, I I have nothing that compares to that. Um, everyone knows not. No, to, everyone knows not to come and see me anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I went to Whitby. Had a little scamper about by the mm. seaside. 
It's really great. Excellent. Um, the pubs are really good. The beer's good. The people are really nice. But um, don't all go. I'm just ho- I'm hoping that um, you know the, the whole kind of that the goths will put off most people. <laughs> My mum and dad they used to go on the coach trips when the goth thing was going on just to look at. Oh the yeah, goths. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, mum, just go into fucking town. <laughs> and outside the council house, there's fucking loads of them there. No, but it's like so. It's two weekends. So it's bi biannual. Whitby Goth Weekend, which I didn't realise. We didn't go. We didn't go yeah. there, you see, because we're because no. because we're cool. I feel sorry for goths there. They, 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 you know, they they started off, go, you know, trying to um, make people think, or at least intimidate them, or something like that. Mm. Now they're, they're just like them punks with the big Mohicans in the early eighties. <laughs> That's what they've been reduced to. Aww. I've often thought about yeah, getting my lippy and eyeliner on and getting up to Whitby on some sort of pilgrimage. It's been too long. Mm. It almost makes you taste the snake bite in your throat. <laughs> yes. There's so little evidence of, of sort of gothery, though, in the town. There's a little, there's mm. the Dracula experience, which is like a tiny little version of the London Dungeon. But it, 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 with mm. all of the, it, it's weird. It's got like the, the branding is all like from the Francis Ford Coppola movie. And it's just a tiny, weeny little thing. And there's a, yeah. there's some sort of an arcade machine directly outside it, which plays... Um, or when I went past, there were some people crowded around it trying to get something. I think it's one of those things where you, 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 uh, it's not like a grabber, but it's a thing where you have to play it and try to get a thing, you know, try to get like a little mm. plastic thing. And what was it playing? Um, it wasn't Who Let the Dogs Out. It was, um, <laughs> it was, um, and it wasn't I Like to Move It, but it was something along those lines. And it just, the, the, yeah. it was like, oh, this, Somebody move that. I mean, like, this is such a, a yeah. you know. Move it, move somebody it. Somebody move it, move, <laughs> move it. it. You like to move it. Because <laughs> it just seems inappropriate. It's like, we're trying to have a trying mm-hmm. to have a, a, a moment here, you know. The last time I went to Whitby, because I've got a mate who lives up there, though, I went into some kind of mu- amusement arcade. Well, it, it was an amusement arcade. And the, it was when the dance machines kicked in. But by this point, there was there was dance machine fatigue because I, I just ended up watching these teenage girls with fags on, just leaning against the rail and just touching the pressure points with their toe <laughs> in the most half-assed manner ever. And it's just like, yeah, you're kind of missing the point there, aren't you? <laughs> so nothing to report here from me. Uh, I, I had a blood test for lung cancer, but that was for BBC Inside Out here, uh-huh. East Midlands. But that was proper shit up, that yeah. was. I bet, mate. Yeah, because, you know, I've been a smoker for 30 years and it was uh-huh. like, oh, shit, I know what I've done. I know how long I've done it for. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm going to get this, aren't I? And it, it's a blood test that's been developed in Nottingham, hence me doing it for BBC East Midlands. Uh-huh. And it, it basically detects through a blood test uh, whether you're going to get it or not, right. uh, or, or whether it's imminent. So it's kind of like stage one that you catch it mm-hmm. in. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought, well, fuck it. I, I'm, I'm that kind of person who wants mm. to know. Uh, but the, the day, I had to go to London for the for the whole day, have the blood test and then do loads of interviews. And I am absolutely fucking drained by the end mm. of it. Okay. But the worst part of that day was coming back in a van with a, with a cameraman who had shitty corporate FM on. And I accidentally heard Ed Sheeran for the first time. And that oh, was mate. more mortifying <laughs> than anything else that happened that day. And it was just right. like, I mean, I didn't right. like him anyway. Um, <laughs> but, but, but then I heard the music and I thought, oh, for fuck's sake. And the, the, it was that song where the line says, the, the, oh, the, the bed sheets smell like you. And I just thought, mate, I've seen what you look like. I know what your bed sheets <laughs> smell of. It ain't anyone else. 
fuck off. <laughs> My condolences out. I mean, um, you know, well done for making it this far. You know what I mean? Hearing Ed Sheeran. Fucking achievement, that. I, I self-isolate from all this shit. Mm. <laughs> you know the Whamageddon thing? Yeah. Piss that out of my ass. <laughs> we're, we're in an age now where we can choose not to listen to shit this is it. that we don't want to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, by the we're way, like that. sorry, there is one more pop and interesting thing that is about to happen to me. Um, mm. I have to be part of, uh, now that I've got this new job in Birmingham, um, I have, I've agreed oh, yes. to be part of this panel of PR people and journalists and people in bands to answer kids' questions, which is fine, it's fine, it's happening in Birmingham late May, but I've just had a look recently through the list of who's going to be on this panel, and I noticed mm. this might not mean much to many people, but one of them, one of the people on the panel, maybe sat next to me, is the lead singer of Ned's Atomic Dustbin. Oh now, my fucking oh. God! Yeah. Um, now, I've told my bosses not to make him aware of who I am, um, but I'm, I'm hoping he forgets that review from so long ago. Um, and, you know, there won't be any contretemps or anything. But, um, yeah, keep me head down to a certain extent. Hopefully, it'll all be water under the bridge and he'll see the funny side of things. Mm. But um, we shall see. Good yeah. Lord, Neil. <laughs> yeah, you might have to... Uh, I think I think you should go on the... Um... I think you should go on the offensive there, on the charm offensive. Yeah. And yeah. just be like, mate, look, all's fair in love and war and music reviewing. And you know, it's not personal. And uh, let's let's have a beer. Yeah. <laughs> but your band was shit. <laughs> your band was shit. And your fa- I had... all your fans were cunts. <laughs> I was... I was in a very difficult position. My my responsibility to my employer was paramount. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to. I'll, I'll, don't worry, I've got the gift of the gap. I can be charming. Yeah, but I'm not retracting. Simon made me do it, sir. <laughs> I'm not retracting a word. It was um, he was in a shit band with a rubbish album. Anyway, let's not go there. That's something to no, no, no. Do anyway. No. Anyway, what we need to do right about now is drop that knee to the beautiful new pop craze Patreon people who have yanked open the chart music G-string and shoved that money right down to the gusset. And this month, those people are, in the $5 section, Willie Onefoot, Gavin Wright, Mark Hunter, Andreas Kleste, Joe Heron, Never Marte, Nuisti Altamirano, Stephen Metcalf, PJ Bellchamber, Karen Watson, Mike Check, Laureline, and Mal Campbell. Thank you, babies. Thank you. And in the $3 section, we have Gary Parcell, Jonathan Smith, Owen Marriott, Robin Goad, Ian Boffin, Debbie Smith, Phil Bolton and Mark Hunter. Oh, and Doug Grant, thank you so much for whacking your contribution right up over the odds. Because you can do that, you know. Mm. We say so much, you can say, mm-mm-mm, more chart music. <laughs> Aren't they fucking mint and skill, them people? They are. Needed more than ever. Yes. Way things are going, I am going to be absolutely fisted by uh, <laughs> by this coronavirus bollocks. We've been skirting around it, haven't we? We've got to address it. Fucking yeah. hell. Yeah, it has been crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you get two trolleys worth of crisps at the weekend, Neil? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
you know what? Some uh, lovely relatives of mine who, who were expecting to meet me a couple of months ago at a family do that I couldn't attend, they'd actually bought for me, a, a not a crescent of crisps as such, but um, a, a bouquet of crisps, I should say. A, a selection hamper, I was going to say like. a corona of crisps. <laughs> no, nobody needs that at the moment. But a sort of selection hamper of crisps. And um, they've wow. sent this along to me. So I'm, I'm fine for crisps, mate. Crisps oh, thank God, man. I was, I was fretting. <laughs> it is crazy though it's kind of it's it's still at this kind of one day at a time what the hell is going to happen tomorrow yeah um, the, the lena martel phase is uh well, as health england put <laughs> well, it well quite so if, if you're listening to this i don't know a year from now and mm, um, yeah. yeah and it all does go tits up then kind of yeah lol end of species and um mm. if it was just uh nothing then you know lol toilet roll i guess <laughs> yeah which is fine by me i'm just gonna piss about on facebook all day <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I th- yeah <laughs> Facebook is really going to come into its own. I think people who who, who deleted it and stuff because it because it is in some ways it is a I mean not not as bad as Twitter for me, but it is kind of a, a hellscape of, of screaming and you know and and general bad vibes. But it's lovely at the moment. People checking on each other, yeah. just just you know, yeah, yeah man. It's uh, what what a time. What a time it is to be Yeah, what a time alive. to be alive, eh? Well, quite. I've detected cool. a definite change in mood. I mean, obviously, because I'm, I'm dealing with teenagers quite a lot at the places yeah. that I work. And, you know, three, four weeks ago, it was certainly, I mean, which seems like a lifetime ago now, but it was certainly the fact that I was detecting, you know, these are kids who played apocalyptic games, watched apocalyptic yeah. films kind of their whole life. And They're prepared. They, well, they were secretly yearning for this kind of shit to, yeah. to, to a certain extent. And you could tell the slight excitement. Like you wanted nuclear war. Well, yeah. no, this is it. It's exactly the same thing. Yeah. Um, but um, I have to say that kind of keenness in a way has definitely dissipated over recent weeks. And it's been yeah. replaced by concern and worry. So so even teenagers, <laughs> even teenagers are, are worried about this. I mean, this notion of them all staying at home and self-isolating. Yes, teenagers perfectly, are perfectly happy happy staying on their phones mm-hmm. and their tablets but the idea once school closures kick in of keeping all these kids home well I, I i predict chaos on the streets but what the hell one day at a time one day at a time mm, yeah i tell you what it was i thought it was really telling that uh, um one of the gigs that you know because people have been cancelling stuff you know for for the good of for the good of others because the thing mm. what you have to remember is it's not about you it's about everyone you know, and yeah. and I've I've had to do that myself. I've had to go through that thing because I've been like, well, well, you know, um, lucky me that um, <laughs> hilariously we. Uh, do you remember like a few months back when? Uh, do you remember Brexit? That was a thing. Um, oh, the good old oh, days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, it's like Hovis ad rap. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were they were like, oh, there might be a shortage of blue roll because because there's going to be problems with you know su- with with the supply chain in that way. So we bought Lural months ago, and oh. and it, it's a bit it's a bit weird. I'm telling you to to see that we've got um like a, you know an adequate stash of it, and then seeing like in the news, yeah, everyone's everyone's buying Lural. There's no Lural anywhere. People are pulling knives on each other. And it's like, oh, get on eBay, Sarah. Fucking hell. No, I, I, I <laughs> one sheet at a time. I, I, I absolutely couldn't. Also, just people like oh, praise the entrepreneurial skill of these. Um, the entrepreneurial moxie of these teenagers who bought up a load of masks and are selling them at a markup, and it's like, no, that's not, that's not, don't, no. don't pat them out. That's not how this works. But no. yeah, I was going to say this. It, it, I, I feel it was quite telling that one of the big gigs that went ahead at Wembley at the weekend was um, our old mate Morrissey. 
yeah, yeah. Saw who, that, yeah. who cares so much about you know and and all of his honestly i was just like I, I, of of course of course that gig went ahead and of course everybody went to it a lot of people well, can, unfortunately these, are these are people who spend their entire lives self-isolating anyway <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> fuck them oh well yeah it is like way well, you know it's one last hurrah and stuff but i mean then again john hopkins who i who i like very much he did his gig as well and everyone went to that and so mm. it just it's oh it's um but you have to i don't know you have to kind of forgive people i totally forgive people there are sound psychological reasons i have read i was reading an interesting thing yeah. this morning somebody's written a book about the psychology of pandemics and um god it's so weird isn't it even saying like the word pandemic it's like it makes you feel like yeah. you're in jurassic park or something um <laughs> yeah. but yeah he said like it's there's a there's a reason for it partly obviously it's that once some people do it everyone else does it because it's like why are you buying all the cereal because it's going to run out because everyone else is doing it. But previous to that, it's a kind of, it's it's about disgust. It's because when there's a virus about and there's nothing you can do about it, it's one thing you can do to try to seize some measure of control. It's like your your disgust levels are kind of heightened and your awareness is heightened of like, oh, there's, mm. there's stuff. And I don't, and Lural is very kind of connected to like, get that's how you get rid of, of disgusting things. It's Lural, it's clean, you know. So yeah, yeah. I totally, I, I totally get it. I mean, I know it's like, oh, look at all the idiots, brilliant. But you know, I'm and I'm the first person to say, you know, uh, you know, look at all these dickheads. But um, they, they're dickheads who've 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 got their their brains are just working like they're supposed to, really. Mm-hmm. There must be people listening to this and going, oh, fucking hell, great, a new chart music. It take my mind off it. <laughs> and here's us fucking rattling on about it. So I'll just say one more thing. The one, my enormous fear is, you know, I was all right with with everything. You know, c- c- calm, you know, grace under pressure, yeah. as always. And then I saw on Facebook all those clips of uh, Italians on balconies oh, playing man. instruments and singing. Oh. It was like, oh, for fuck's sake, <laughs> do not let that happen here. <laughs> Because it is going to be a load of cunts out of the bedroom windows doing redemption songs. Oh, yeah, or Wonder Woman. Fuck yeah. that. Oh, oh imagine. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking into your fucking oh, house coughing on you. Galway you girl. Or the shape of yeah, you. Oh, sh- God, you're making it worse. Ah, here. But I know what's the worst thing that you do, that, that, you know, you, if you stick your head out the window, oh, people are singing, my neighbours have come together in song. Like, what's the worst possible thing? You know, and it'll, it'll a be Wonder Wall. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, fucking hell. Now, we've had a good laugh about this now, and I'm terrified that when I finally do this edit, someone, might not even be me, does a voiceover and go, this was recorded before everyone involved in it died. <laughs> oh, God. This will be... Uh, are, we, are we prepared for this? Are we prepared for this to be our legacy? Well, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I, I regret nothing. Uh, and, of course, if you are subscribing to Patreon... You're contributing to the brand new chart music top 10. Hit the fucking music! We've said goodbye to the old sailor, ATV eyes, working class youth of Newcastle, and B.A. Cunterson, which means six down and four new entries. Down four places to number 10, it's Lesbian Door Factory. A new entry at number nine, Billy Preston and Rye Vita. <laughs> On its way down from number five to number eight, Bomber Dog. Down four from three to seven, Dave D, Creeper, Twat and Cut. <laughs> A former number one, 
Now down from number two to number six, Jeff Sex. Oh, what drop? Down one place to number five, here comes Jism. <laughs> Last week's number one has dropped all the way to number four, Noel Edmonds's Gas Disco. <laughs> Into the top three, and it's a new entry at number three, Danger Freaks! Another new entry at number two, Dean Spunk presents a tribute to Ollie Murs, which means... Britain's number one! The highest new entry, straighten at number one, in Selvis Costello. Him with a bullet. All changing the chart music top ten. Wow. Well, absolutely. Tenacious Bummer Dog, Tenacious Jism. But, um, yeah, startled by that in with a bullet at number one. It's a new yes. era. Yeah, I was, I was shocked by that. I thought Dean Spunk was nailed on. <laughs> so, yeah, the new entries. Well, Billy Preston and Rye Vita, obviously. Danger Freaks! <laughs> I see that as an electro clash. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And for the pop craze youngsters, uh, that is uh, four A's and uh, three E's. <laughs> you know, if you want to get it on your um, pencil case properly. Yeah. Surely that's like the thickest, densest funk you could ever imagine. You know, like that that black that is like the blackest black that that no light mm. can enter, and it's you know obsidian black. Yeah, yeah, I think Anish Kapoor actually owns the exclusive world rights to the blackest black you can possibly get in paint. <laughs> like that, but with funk. Yeah. Mm. And in Selvis Costello, you know, basically basically writes itself, doesn't it? It does, it does. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, don't yeah. forget, every month all the pop craze Patreons come around and lay the money down. And if you're not one of those, now is the time because... I know we're going through hard times, pop craze youngsters, but chart music is here to get you through those hard times, nourishing your soul with four-hour descriptions of old television shows and ensuring (laughs) that the forebears of whoever is left will know what Dave Lee Travis's beard looked like thousands of years from now. Take a deep breath, go to patreon.com slash chart music and slip some coin down that groin. We're creating a legacy. Well, it's very much the podcast the world is crying out for at the moment, I would argue. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. I think it it is, We ought to go for a 14-day episode (laughs) and do it in shifts just to get people through the self-isolation period. Yeah, yeah. Well, can we do like a... Can you imagine? Can we do like a live stream? Can we do like some sort of a a, a stream, you know, and we could maybe, you know, it's just, just like Big Brother, you know, people used to just watch people sleep all night, you know. It's like... Yeah. Well, it'd be like that, that, that bit in Dawn of the Dead where they're watching the telly and all those people are arguing. We could do that. Yes. But, but, but about dollar. Well, you know, you know, I did that stupid Facebook test about who you're going to be quarantined with and it come up with Taylor Park. Yes. <laughs> Taylor's pretty good at, at, at quarantine already. I think he's, he's, yeah, he's a guy yeah. that you, that paradoxically, I think he's a guy that you need in a crisis. He's got a great collection of shit to watch as oh, well. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah. Honestly, it's yeah. like that should be in a, <laughs> it belongs in a museum. He's got the best, you go around to Taylor's, he has got just, he's just got this incredible Collect, he's just curated over years just the most yeah. incredible cornucopia of like telly crap that, mm. that I, I it's amazing yeah he should charge yeah. for entry really but let's go around his house now everyone <laughs> yeah all right but don't tell him but we'll surprise him oh, yeah he'll he'll love that 
Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know about anyone else, but um, I've noticed a few people have been talking about like because because this is a like oh shit this is really this is really big this is this is a situation and you know it's a pan so the who declares this a pandemic how uh, time is going really bendy as well you know like in 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 strange times time goes fast it goes slow it goes it goes Mm. weird and so who knows when it was seven years ago in my brain the who declared this a pandemic and people immediately start looking up stuff like uh they dig out their old dvd of um outbreak with uh you know dustin hoffman and and, and a monkey and um and contagion <laughs> and and desi- you know like and zombie movies and apocalypse shit and dystopian shit there's something in us yeah yeah i mean this is why last mm. night i was looking for my uh well-thumbed but never finished uh copy of stephen king's the stand um, mm, which I haven't really yeah. looked at for years because I only got it because I loved the cover. But um, <laughs> that might be some valuable research in the coming weeks. Let's see. Yeah. I, I just watched loads of old episodes at Top of the Pod. <laughs> oh, oh, I did that too. I mean, I've done my research. Like, don't, don't think that I'm not just winging it here. Good. <laughs> so this episode, Pop Craze Youngsters, takes us all the way back to January the 7th. 1982. Yes, it's a mere two years away from the last one we did, but it's safe to say that there has been plenty of water put between those 24 months, both musically and televisually. And I will go as far to say that this episode is where the Aventis are truly dead and the 80s properly leaps out of the womb, waving a big flag about. Don't you get that feeling when you watch yeah, this? Yeah, I think you're substantially correct there, Al. This is yeah. this is the 80s in all kinds of ways. Um, in the dancers, in the audience, in the bands featured, in the music featured, this is different. Di- I mean, even though it's a matter of months, but this is massively different to an 81 episode. Yeah. This episode, for me, is about the balance between... There's a new sense of optimism in heavy inverted commas, Um, For everyone involved, and yet for the viewer, I think an increasing sense of pessimism to a certain extent um, in 82. So it's a very interesting episode, this. Sarah, you're you're younger than us, let's be honest, and you look it. Um, You're looking at this episode as an outsider Mm. uh, from the the far future. Mm -hmm. So if I were to say to you, the music of 1982, what's springing to mind? Yeah, I mean, Adam and the Ants. Yeah. With his lovely stripy face, Mm. you know. If if 1982 had a commemorative coin, you know, it would have have Adam Ant's face on it, no? No, I think you're right. And of course, 1982 is the year that the jam... Japan and Adam and the Ants split up. So yeah, it's a, no, it's, 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 it's a year of change. Mm. And obviously, we're watching this. It's the first week of January, so this is still the music of late 1981. Yeah. But there is change afoot, isn't there? Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. I already detected. I mean, it's it's odd how. Um, 1981 records sound anxious and worried about the future to a certain extent. They're they're about Mm. the kind of dark side, if you like, of the early 80s. By 82, it feels that pop is plastering on a grin a little bit. It it, it, is making sure that it's up and happy and kind of outward looking, almost to Mm. avoid precisely the kind of dread that we're going through at the moment, in a sense. (laughs) I'm not saying that the nuclear fear of back then was as bad as, say, the the fear of this current pandemic that we're living through. But by 82... Let's stop talking about the pandemic Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But but by 82, (laughs) I would argue that pop is kind of forcing itself to be a bit optimistic and a bit bit bigger and a bit showier and and isn't kind of, in a way, trying to reflect... 
uh, anything darker than that. It, it, it's trying to be optimistic, outward looking and outwardly mobile. We could almost start saying that as well about 82 music. Mm. Do you think it takes a couple of years then for a decade to get into it, to fight, to, you know, to, to kind of... Is that like the uh, is that the definitely. adolescence of a decade? Is that when they start when it yeah. starts to kind of self actualize or, or kind of come into itself? And, and... I, I mean, if you look back, I guess say if you look at the early the records coming out in sixty one and sixty two, the sixties were still waiting to be born. They still feel like late fifties records, yeah. um, mm. and the the sixties kind of gets born with the Beatles. I guess you could also argue that in the seventies, records in nineteen seventy seventy one are they that different than what was being made in sixty nine? Not really. No. The six winters. Yeah. <laughs> but by 73, something like Metal Guru or anything like it is extremely yeah. 70s. So, yeah, I think I think there's something in that, that it takes a decade, a couple of years to really launch itself on its own course. And I think that's what we're seeing in this episode. Mm. Yeah. And then you yeah. get a sort of feeling of, you, you know, the uh, that, that certain naive excitement, I guess, and, and a sense of optimism is going to kick in at that time. So I'm looking forward to that in, uh, you know, in... Uh, 2022. <laughs> That'll be... yeah. No, 2038, Sarah. Uh, okay, this decade's going to begin. Cool. I can dig it. Anyway, fuck this decade. Let's get stuck in. Radio 1 News. In the news this week, well, Spain announces it's going to lift the blockade on the border with Gibraltar after 13 years. The Commodore 64 has been launched in Las Vegas. The lowest temperature on record in the UK is registered in Braemar, Scotland, minus 27.2 Celsius. Shirley Williams ends up in hospital after a tobogganing accident in Hertfordshire. (laughs) Erica Rowe, a bookshop worker from Hertfordshire, fucking hell, it's all about Hertfordshire, (laughs) lobs him out at Twickenham during a rugby match between England and Australia and is immediately offered £1,000 to bear all for Escort magazine. The BBC have moved the new series of Doctor Who, the first Peter Davidson one, from Saturday tea time to Monday evening. Julio Iglesias' dad is still missing after being kidnapped in Madrid last week by members of ETA and he'd be released unharmed in 10 days' time. Jackie Onassis has been spotted in a record shop in New York buying a copy of Tainted Love by Soft Cell. But the big news this week is the shake-up of the ITV regions. Goodbye Southern, Westwood and ATV. Hello TVS, TSW and Central, which had split up into East and West Midlands, which meant people like me didn't have to see news about Birmingham and Coventry anymore. <laughs> but, but then some technicians went on strike, meaning we'd have to wait until September of 1983 Hello, to be mate. completely free of the yim-yam yoke. <laughs> And even then, most of us had to have a new aerial installed. They didn't tell us that. Yeah, yeah. Hello, I'm Jack Beaumont. I do Crime Club. In Series 1, I spoke to people like this. Did you not kick a policeman in the head? Yeah, that was... When was that? I was 17. In Series 2, I talked to people like this. There was a paedophile with one leg. I kicked him clean out his wheelchair. About four of us... I mean, we battered him. And this. Cheated on your boyfriend to give him gonorrhea? Do you want to go there or would you rather not? Yeah, no, 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 I could talk about it. I have jingles like this. That's Crime Club, where strange people tell stories involving bad behaviour. New episodes out every Monday. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I mean, Neil, Central was ATV in all but name, but it was a seismic change, it? was wasn't a it? massive change. really is yeah. where the 80s began. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I cannot forget that time of Central coming in. Because Central was one of those... It was one of those busy kind of proactive networks, if you like. If You, you have yes. sleepy ITV regions like Grampian and Tyne Tees and Anglia, who kind of made, yeah, and Border, who kind of made the same programmes for decades and decades. Central felt like one of those ones that, that, that still had that residual takeover in the 70s by sort of lefties, basically, like funky mm. new English teachers, in a way. Yes. So it had that kind of polemical side to it, like Granada and like uh, LWT. Yeah. So we made, you know, films with John and Roger Cook, alongside yes. the normal chaff, you know, um, we made these kind of pioneering shows. So, in yeah. a way, it was a way. Everywhere of- you go, everything you see, <laughs> someone saying no, it's a tragedy. <laughs> But, I mean, in a way, it was a taking of... That's what we want to sing out the fucking windows. <laughs> you know it's going to be all right if we stick together. <laughs> oh, man, I love that show. I love that show. But, I mean, yeah. in a way, it, it could have been different. That's what's disturbing about this period, in a sense, in the changeover. Because it seems seamless from ATV to mm. um, Central, but it's forgotten. Sort of, there were yeah. uh, there were other bidders, you know, for that franchise. Yeah. Midlands TV could have won it. Whoever, I mean, yeah. very boring name. Mercia TV was another yeah. coalition sort of headed up by Brian Walden. Um, wow, who, who wanted to do? It. I quite like the idea of Mercia TV. And and if the Midlands ever declared itself kind of devolved from uh, central government, I'd like to be king of Mercia, please. <laughs> I, I quite like that title, oh. but. Um, the interview process... I'd like to be Lord of ATV London, <laughs> please. But I was reading about the interview process whereby the bidding for that franchise came about. You know, they had to do an interview with Lady Plowden, which took like two <laughs> days. And franchises did practices, but they had trouble hiring doubles for, for Lady Plowden. But Central <laughs> Central could have been called anything else. There were 300 different names that they'd sort of mooted. Yeah. Eventually, it was Central Independent Television. Um, yeah. because someone, some uh, smart guy had bought right. up Central, I think, and uh, yeah. like, much as they buy domains now. Um, yeah. But I'll never forget that logo. It's all about the logo, isn't it? That big, oh, globulous Central logo designed by the... I had that on a badge. Oh, awesome, man. I, I wore that I wore that on, on me Arrington along, <laughs> alongside me jam badges and stuff like that. I was so proud of it because all of a sudden there was television about Nottingham. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they made stuff in Nottingham as well. I mean, mm. you know, I live in the home of Bullseye. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 
And I remember when uh, they did uh, Connie. Do you remember Connie? Oh, Stephanie with Stephanie Beecham, Beecham, yeah. Set in Nottingham and uh, filmed filmed on Snenton Market. The bloke out of Rita Sue and Bob Two had a had a stall on Snenton Market. <laughs> right. My uncle was Ukrainian, and after the Berlin Wall came down and all that kind of stuff, finally all these Eastern European people who lived in Nottingham was finally allowed to have contact with the families. Yeah. And he had a mate who was, this is a massive tangent, but fuck Yay. it. He had a mate who was <laughs> Russian, and um, he got a letter from his granddaughters saying, oh, we, we can come to Nottingham to see you. And he was so excited, he had a heart attack and died on the spot. Oh, oh my word. I know. So my auntie and uncle put them up. And so they've got two Russian teenage girls, you know, in their house. And uh, they say, you know, look, why don't you meet the rest of the family? I wasn't there, but my mum was. Uh-huh. And um, so, you know, where would you take if you had two Russian teenagers who'd never been to the West before? Yeah. And they came to Nottingham. Where would you take them? My auntie decided to take them to Snenton Market. <laughs> yeah. And my mum tells me this. She's standing there with these girls in the middle of this market, bog-standard market, and all of a sudden, both of them start pointing with the mouths swinging wide open. Mm. And my mum follows where they're pointing, and it's it's a market stall that sells broken biscuits and out-of-date chocolate. And they say, can you buy those? Oh. My mum says, yeah. Oh. What do you need? What do you need to, to buy them with? You know, mum says, money. And they just burst into tears at the thought oh, that they goodness. could go up and buy a bag of broken obnobs. Oh, 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 fucking hell. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I know. I know. Imagine that. But yeah, every time I see Connie, I'm reminded of that, even though I wasn't there. But the thing is with things like Connie, um, it did more than ATV. Central started feeling like, I don't know, our station, if you like. Mm. And, 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 and it felt like they were finally making programming for our particular region. And yes. For me, my major loyalty to Central, it stemmed from a couple of things, All, especially their nighttime programming, for one. Because yeah. things that came later, like Hitman and Her, the previously mentioned uh, Let's Fret Together strand yes. of, of horror movies, and things like Connie, and of course, the, of course. The, the, the broadcasting of Prisoner Cell Blockade yes. um, was massively, massively important. As yeah. your life becomes this thing where you are staying out late, and you are coming home late, and you are maybe staying up late, um, yeah. Central became more and more important. But perhaps the most important show for me on Central uh, it was its flagship um current affairs discussion show you know central weekend yes um basically question time with several pints of brew 11 in its yes. belly um and where anna Subri and nikki campbell and, and, yes. and it was like a testing ground for future blowhards basically but but central yes. was was yeah it, it was kind of it's it the first time that telly felt like ours atv always yes. felt a little bit i don't know diffuse and and yes indistinguishable really from the wanted networks. to be in london didn't it it did it was it was indistinguishable from lwt but central did but it was so feel like a... it was so west midland centric <laughs> well it seriously was, it was it was yeah I, I, and this is someone who's atv land for life mm, mm. it's such a shame that there aren't itv regions anymore well, that little window of uniqueness just got ironed yeah. out. When, when, when Central's logo changed from its, like, like we've mentioned, the slightly plump, satisfyingly globulous globe yeah. to just being an adjunct of the overarching ITV logo, something yes. really precious was lost, I think. Definitely. You know, it's nev- it, never to be retrieved, probably. Oh. Every time I went on holiday, which would be Skegge or Chapel St. Leonard's, the first <laughs> thing I would do was uh, get in the caravan, 
hook the portable telly up to to the car battery and just put on ITV because it was Yorkshire. I know it's mind blowing, isn't it? Yeah, and it's like, oh my god, it's like being in a different country. Oh, yeah. they they call their news program Calendar. That's <laughs> fucking weird. With Look Richard at all Whiteley these adverts probably, yeah. that we don't get. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was brilliant. It is a different country. Though, it was br- and I had I had a girlfriend in the early nineties who, um, and she lived in South End, and it blew my mind that you know in one room of a of a mum and dad's house, ITV was um, Thames or London Weekend. In the other room, which was like you know like thirty feet away, Anglia. <laughs> Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I just thought, what a multicultural household this is. <laughs> Very much so. Do you remember that? Al, do you remember the final ATV today? Yes. Oh, man. Wendy Nelson and Bob Warman in a mock courtroom. Yes. With uh, John Swallow in the dock. Yeah. As I recall. Surreal. Very surreal. ATV today, um, the opening credits were, were mental because you'd have a shot of some riots. And then you'd have a shot of Jim Callahan, and then a shot of Margaret Thatcher, and then an extreme close-up of someone in her pants just twirling round. And I think is that some kind of commentary on the political system? <laughs> on the cover of the Enemy this week, Vic Goddard. On the cover of Smash Hits, OMD. The number one LP in the UK is Dare by the Human League. Over in America, the number one single is Physical by Olivia Newton-John. And the number one LP, For Those About to Rock, We Salute You by ACDC. So, me dears, what were we doing in January of 1982? Being very code, I can imagine. It was it was bitter out. Oh, was it a snowy mm. one? Yeah, yeah. very I snowy I- one. I think, like most people in Coventry, I was getting ready for the most exciting event of 1982, which was uh, the Pope visiting Coventry. Oh! Um, uh, how I was getting ready for it was basically thinking, oh, bloody hell, I hope we get a day off school. Um, yeah. Because I, I was only nine at the time. Um, but depending on how old you were, obviously I have different memories of this. My wife, I remember, um, she always considered it a badge of pride that she could say that she worked for the Pope um, wow. for that day. Yeah, she was a car park attendant at the airport. Um <laughs> Uh, millions of people there. It was a mental day that yeah. she remembers knocking off after about an hour mm. and just mooching off because <laughs> uh, no one was watching her and going to some strange, you know, punk party, maybe at the old punk house, who knows, um, whereby they were setting fire to crosses outside in an anti-religious statement that could have been misinterpreted. <laughs> yes. Uh, clearly. Was it but, called um, bollocks to the Pope or something? <laughs> something like that. But, um, Stop yeah. the Pope. Stuff the Pope. I mean, the, 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 the Pope was coming to Cov massive Irish, Scottish and huge Catholic population here. So that was a big, big deal that year in 82. Mm. So it's dominated for me by memories of that. Blimey. Yeah, I was, um, yeah, living, was I still living with my grandparents at that point? I'm not sure. But if it was snowy, I might have been able to go tobogganing. I'm sorry, that's why I, I, um, someone earlier had a terrible tobogganing accident. And I was like, tobogganing. Yes, um, I hope hope she made a full recovery. But um, it's the best word, isn't it, really? Yes. I love a toboggan. Also, yeah, I have not. When's the last Fuck time luge. you tobogganed? <laughs> yeah, it's like this good, honest, you know, a plastic sled yeah. from Woolies, you know, yeah. um, that would that would be uh, hazardous, even more hazardous to life, health, and and arse cheeks by the end of the day. Yeah. You know, be cracking it. 
Um, but yeah, I was I was uh, at that point building up a, a healthy head of terror about. You see, I've been preparing for this my whole life. I started to be conscious of, of telly and stuff, and uh, you know, around this time when I was like four years old. And the first thing you get, um, along with with probably a, a you know first twinkles of, of top of the pops and lovely cultural stuff, is um, terrifying public information films. Yes, which I've probably talked about before, but it's like fire. The fire is going to eat your sofa and then you, and there's nothing you can do yeah. about it. Um, you know, and then uh, electric substations are going to, yeah, they're going to fuck you up. Yeah. And, uh, and same for your friend, Where are they now when Jimmy. we fucking need them most? I know. Well, I'm sorry to go back to it, but this is surely now's the time that the public information film comes back. Yeah, yeah. You can have Alvin Stardust saying, going back to work after exhibiting flu-like symptoms after your <laughs> conference in North Italy, you must be out of your tiny mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they need to re... I mean, God knows, uh, I, I, I would assume there's... There's a, there would be no money for this since there's no money for any fucking thing else. Yeah, but, but the cheapest fuck. Th- those films are massively affected, effective yeah. because they've, they've put knowledge in my head that's there Definitely. now. And, you know, it worries me mm. that a whole generation doesn't know how useful a wet tea towel might be in the event of a chip pan fire. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, or, bring them or, chip pan or to just accept that you've lost your frisbee. When it's gone into the <laughs> substation, I'll tell you what. There's a they could repurpose the fireworks one. There's an absolutely harrowing fireworks yes. one. There's several of them, and I I am I mean I don't I, I don't like fireworks anyway. There's um, for various reasons, but that's that's definitely one of them. It's like I can't I've I can just about hold a sparkler now, yeah. but it, I don't feel festive doing it. It's just no. like that's my brain is going. That's fire. That's close. <laughs> that's fire close to your hand. You've got sleeves. They're made of cotton. You're made of flesh. You should probably. Oh, thank God, it's gone out. Oh, yeah, fucking hell. Um, it's just you know, it's in that's in there forever. Yeah. But there's a fireworks advert where there's a countdown, and somebody like a, a, a bunch of people are excitedly shouting ten, uh, nine, yeah, yeah. eight, and somebody is holding up. And I think this is real as well as they're holding up hands, and it's people who've lost fingers. Yes, mm, and mm. so you get. You know, you get ten, and it's like they've just lost. It's it's they put up both hands, and there's one finger missing. Nine's two finger, two fingers uh, missing. Eight through it, and it's horrifying. Mm. I'm gonna bring them oh, back. God, honestly, bring them back, <laughs> bring man. Bring just them back, and it's like just wash your hands, wash your hands, it. or your fingers are gonna fall off. I yeah. mean, I know it's it's yeah. a smattering of disinformation, but how else are you gonna get the message? Through? Exactly. Yeah, let's let's face it. Kids are not anxious enough. They need more anxiety right? in their lives. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Charlie could be saying anything, really, couldn't he? So you could just <laughs> voice true. over that and just say, Charlie says, and, don't cough on the bus, you twat. Mm. And the man came up to me and said, would I like to see some puppies? Mm. The grammar of those is so beautiful as well. Yeah. If you actually look at the, the, the way they're written, they're written in ways that people don't speak anymore, and certainly children don't. So for that reason as well, you see, it's, it's, a, it's educational in so many ways, across so many different axes. I was in the third year at the Twat Farm, otherwise known as Top Valley Comprehensive. And, uh, you know, I was forced to walk an entire street in a bit to get to school in this harsh winter conditions, which was terrible. Uh, Still kept up, obviously. Uh, But that was good, because I got to go to school and brag my arse off about the Atari I'd just got for Christmas. So I I didn't give a fuck about anything else. Yeah, oh, you're out there in the snow having fun. Uh, I've got Circus Atari and uh, and uh, Combat, which oh, came really? with it. And did you uh, get Defender eventually? Eventually, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I got got all that shit. Pac Man, yeah, it became a very 
very popular youth at school. Uh, <laughs> and, and the only time the Atari got switched off was when Top of the Pops was on because, you know, mm-hmm. I still believed in it, man. Yeah. I could go tobogganing any time I like because I, me and my sister have worked out that if you got into a sleeping bag, uh, you could just go down the stairs in it over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I've been down the stairs. I've been down the stairs at my nana's on a on a tray. Yeah, yeah. Sleeping bag's better though because it doesn't slip from under your ass. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> it's too. It's not. It's just the right speed, isn't it? Yes. As well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you get that quite quite pleasant. You just you just sort of bump all the way down. And of course, pop craze youngsters. Right about this time is the time that we dig in the boxes and we pull out an issue from the music press from this week. This time, I've got the January ninth edition of Melody Maker. Shall we dig through? Oh yes, please. On the cover, Claire Grogan of Altered Images wearing a ruff made out of tinsel. Oh God, I loved her. The new <laughs> section. The big story this week is that record labels across the board have announced price increases on vinyl in 1982, and Melody Maker has warned their readers to expect to pay up to £1.99 <gasps> on a 12-inch single, £4.26 on an LP, and as much as £6.50 for a double album. Blimey. Yeah. That is big prices in 82. That yes, is expensive. Definitely. John Coughlin has announced that he's quitting status quo to concentrate on his side project, John Coughlin's Diesel Band. (laughs) Quo are currently in Montreux, unavailable for comment, as they are putting the finishing touches to their next LP, 1982, and having a group polish. (laughs) Elvis Costello's reinvention as a country singer is not going down well in Nashville. He accidentally booked a show at the Opry Theatre when he actually needed to play the Grand Old Opry. His label CBS have decided not to release his recent LP Almost Blue to Country Stations after a trial run. His label have decided not to release his recent LP Almost Blue to Country Stations after a trial run. The Nashville music community are claiming that he's not a real country singer in any case and the gig was half full. Oh dear. HTV West have announced a new drama series called Jangles about a nightclub in London, which the makers claim will be, quote, a reflection of the spirit of youth in the 80s. (laughs) It will star Hazel O'Connor as a singer, Jesse Birdsall as her boyfriend, and Sue Audrey out of Coronation Street Nichols as her mam will go out in the summer of 1982 and lasts one series. <laughs> There's been a New Year's Day riot at the venue in Westminster after a soul all day at oversold tickets and a thousand punters were locked out. And rumours are abounding that the Cockney Rejects are working on a heavy metal LP produced by Pete Way of UFO. In the interview section, well, Neil Rowland nips up to Leeds to catch altered images at the Days of Future Past Festival and tells us that the last two times he saw them, he found Claire Grogren too attractive to listen to the music properly. He then hangs around with them for a bit, including on the set of the Old Grey Whistle Test, where Claire appears in Marks and Spencer's thermal underwear, and at the recording of the Christmas Top of the Pops, where the band coat down Toya while she's on stage. (laughs) See, it's not just us. In the interview, it's very clear that they are already worried about being seen as a kid's band. The centre spread... 
is given over to the World Tour Diary of Echo and the Bunnymen. Ian McCulloch buys a load of JFK was shot here postcards in Dallas and thinks that New Zealand is a psychedelic Yorkshire. Peter Freitas cracks up in Germany. The band cook a Sunday roast in a Sydney hotel room and Will Sargent hides a girl in the Peppermint Club in New York after she gave a bouncer a glass of piss, which he downed in one. Steve Sutherland spends the week at the ICA for their Rock Week, the annual new music showcase. It's a thumbs up for Haircut 100, Buzz, 23 Skidoo and Jean Loves Jezebel, but the Higsons are cretins. Modern English should be taken out somewhere and quietly shot. China Crisis are dismissed as shy bedroom boys and Mari Wilson is described as the Edna Everidge of modern soul. Lyndon Barber meets the women behind the Girlfriend label who've put out the all-woman compilation LP Making Waves which he coated down in a previous review. They have a go at him and then talk about how hard it is for female bands to get noticed if they're just all about the music and not doing a sex. <laughs> it's true. Meanwhile, Brian Harrigan goes to Hammersmith Odeon for a chat with Geezer Buckler about post Aussie Sabbath. Oh. He tells him that he sat on Santa's knee in a department store in Toledo the other week and asked him for a new shirt for Christmas. <laughs> He also says that relationships between the band and Ozzy were strained when they couldn't play the heavy metal Holocaust festival at Port Vale's ground last year and the promoters booked Ozzy in their place. But he predicts that Sabbath will go on forever. (laughs) Paul O'Hewitt visits Essex University for a chat with Department S, who are pretending not to be worried about their last two singles flopping and are hoping that their forthcoming LP will right the ship. It doesn't. Hewitt comments that the highlight of the gig is when Vaughn Toulouse calls a load of heckling punks at the front hippies. (laughs) A melody maker have launched this year's rock writing contest. £1,000 for the winner, £250 for second place and £150 for third place. Fucking hell. Big prizes, big prizes. Yes. The single reviews. Well, Steve Sutherland is at the controls and he's written a big uncompartmentalised splurge which is a ball ache to get through. (laughs) Single of the week appears to be Felicity by Orange Juice with its initial size and opening chords which sound like fluttering eyelashes. Sutherland also rubs himself in anticipation of next month's LP which he says is full of northern promise, redefines romance and is full of Back to Beatles basics. Don't Tell Me by Central Line is a hand-clapping thigh-slapper of a record and Fungi Mama by Tom Brown also get a meaty thumbs up. But it's a coat down for Do You Believe in the West World by Theatre of Hate. It's not so much what they say, but how Kirk Blanton bleats on and on and on about it, said Sutherland, who notes that they still haven't been signed to a major label and isn't at all surprised. The Anti-Nowhere League's cover of Streets of London is not only unfunny, but also totally unoriginal and is, quote... Even worse than sicko old has-been splodgeness abounds. <laughs> if the original didn't want to make you want to kick every tramp you ever came across, this version will. <laughs> the Boiler by the special AKA Roda 
quote, should be played in every schoolroom, boardroom, household, office, doll queue and factory the length and breadth of the land and is a worthy successor to Ghost Town. Further coat downs are dished out to Jonah Louie for rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Joan Armour trading for no love. Diana Ross's new single Tenderness, which is described as a shadow of her recent stuff with Nile Rogers. And China Doll by China Doll is described as a Nika meets altered images. And special praise is reserved for the re-release of Razor's Edge by Defunk and SLF, the renamed Stiff Little Fingers, for That's When Your Blood Bumps. In the LP review section, well, it's an understandably quiet week with just one page of reviews, and the lead one is given over to the double LP Little Figures by the Method Actors, the band from Athens, Georgia, who weren't R.E.M. or the B-52s. Lyndon Barber describes it as headache, addictive stuff, and proclaims the next time you hear someone complaining that there's nothing happening in modern music, shove this in their face. Paul Colbert is confused by invisible yearnings by the post-punk band playing characters who yields to the temptation of scratching the head in bewilderment. And Paul Strange puts the boot into the soundtrack LP Music from the Elder. Kiss meet the American Symphony Orchestra, the St. Robert's Choir and a cast of thousands in an enthralling vinyl vehicle spectacular fueled on myth Legend and overwhelming pretentious bullshit. Oh, you can just imagine, can't you? Well, quite. In the gig guide, well, David could have seen Marillion at the Chadwell Heath Electric Stadium, Elvis Costello at the Royal Albert Hall, the Go-Go's at Hammersmith Palace, all nipped up to Bailey's in Watford to see hot gossip every night for a week, but probably didn't. (laughs) Taylor could have nipped out to the barrel organ to see Otto's Bazaar, Chainsaw at the Railway Hotel, Flying Objects at the Selly Oak Station Hotel, or Crucial Music at the Fighting Cocks. Neil could have seen Streetlight at Wrighton Bridge and fuck all else. <laughs> Sarah could have seen Black Sabbath at Leeds or Jimmy Witherspoon at Halifax Acapulco Club. Al could have seen After the Fire at Rock City or Fad Gadget at the Retford Porterhouse. And Simon would have had to have stopped at home and recreated Heavy Metal Holocaust on his Sabutio pitch. (laughs) As per usual, there are no Welsh listings. In the letters page, the main topic of conversation is the 1981 Melody Maker Readers Poll, where Genesis were voted Band of the Year again. Adam and the Ants were voted the biggest hype and biggest posers, and the dance record of the year was... Go on, have a guess. 81, hmm. Um, You'll never get it. The dan- yeah, it's going to be something. Have a think, have a think. <laughs> have a think, we'll come back to this. Paul Craig says, have a think, the dance record of 1981, according to Melody Maker readers. Loads of people have had a moan about this poll. This week, there's been a backlash to that backlash. I like Pink Floyd and have some respect for Rush as well, says James Carter of Southend. Surely the reason why these groups top a Melody Maker poll is simply that they are consistently good. (laughs) Meanwhile, Alf Blacker of Crawley says, Why is it that the staff choice for the 1981 best-ofs contains so many vague titles by unheard-of mishmash? 
perhaps they need to realise that there are some people who don't think the newer artists can hold a candle to those far-from-burnt-out supergroups. Yes, Neil, what do you think about that? Well, it's a recurrent motif, really, amongst music press correspondents, especially for Melody Maker, I have to say, because, mm. you know, Melody Maker in 82, the cool kids aren't really Melody Maker, they're reading The Enemy. Um, mm. The Enemy was on top of punk, The Enemy was on top of post-punk. These sort of hoary old farts who are still listening to fucking Greenslade, Genesis, Yes, and all the other old prog rock dinosaurs are those people who are still reading Melody Maker, and they're going to not like it when new music turns up, when they think, no. you know, that Melody Maker should be covering the same old shit that it used to. And, and to be fair, that was a perennial complaint. I remember seeing letters that were uncannily similar, you know, mm. over over a decade later. So, yeah, it's just one of those. Uh. Julian Milhouse of Lincoln has a moan about his recent experience at a jam gig in North London. There was no alcoholic drink available. Fair enough but with Coke at 40p and crisps at 15p, we stayed thirsty. And the conditions in the toilet were disgusting. Oh, jam fans, lift the seat up. That is expensive for a bag of crisps at that time, 15p. Yeah, Yeah, definitely, yeah. Meanwhile, Vanessa of London says, I would just like to tell everyone that I have just been to the best gig of the year. Bruce Springsteen was terrific, Hazel O'Connor was very good, and the jam were marvellous, but Slade at Hammersmith Odeon on Sunday really brought the house down. And Marky Smith of Manchester responds to a quote by Julian Cope in Melody Maker's Christmas issue, where Cope claimed to have discovered 40 LPs lying against a radiator, all warped in Smith's bedroom. The letter in full. I would like to make it quite clear that Julian Cope has never been near my bedroom. (laughs) Although, judging by his recent photographs, he no doubt would like to be. Oh, dear. dear. Also, any fool knows that you don't put LPs near radiators, which I never had where I lived when I knew Cope. He must have imagined it during one of his flying jacket fantasies about mummy and daddy. Oh, um, harsh. God, if only Twitter was going there. <laughs> Faint tinge of homophobia as well, yeah. Yeah. 40 pages, 30 pence, or two packets of crisps at a jam gig. <laughs> I never knew there was so much in well, it. Well, quiet. So, Melody Maker poll, dance single of the year. Mm. Oh, mate, 81. Um, it. I mean, there's so many great disco records in '81. I'm guessing it's none of those. So, um, is it the Nolan Sisters? Sarah, I, I, I don't even have a clue. Can Can by Bad Manners. <laughs> Dance music record of the year. Fuck's sake, yep. man. Yep. <laughs> that very revealing. Yeah. I mean, the, sorry. A couple of things about that issue. The Dio era Sabbath debate is one that is still ongoing in my house. I refuse to listen to post-Aussie Sabbath. I see no need for it. Uh, My Mm. daughter's desperate to try and get me to listen to Dio era Sabbath. She swears down by it. But another thing that leapt out in that rundown you did, the bit about altered images. I've never figured out why male journalists consider it okay, in a sense, or, or feel comfortable and confident enough in themselves to write about how they fancy female singers. 
yeah. it would never occur to me in a billion years to put that in copy. It's embarrassing, man. I mean, you might have those thoughts, but keep them to yourself, keep them out of your copy, I would argue. It's very strange, that. Yeah. It's part of the appeal. Everybody knows this. It is ridiculous to deny it. It is part of the appeal of, you know, of, of any musician to look mm. nice and be attractive and sexy and mm. you want to have sex. And that's part of the deal. And it's especially part of the deal with women, and it was especially more part of the deal then. And it's understandable up to a point, but yeah, the way that it's just this kind of open drooling, isn't it? I guess it's the tone of it more yeah, than anything else. Yeah. It's just the kind of... Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. And, you know, but, I, mean, <laughs> you, I, mean, I just spell that. Um, several, several G's and H's and, um, yeah, <laughs> and, and a napkin. Um but I mean, I mean, did you ever do that? Sir? Did I ever do that when writing about males? The, the general mm. opinion is is that female journalists can get away with that sort of yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. Uh, where male well, journalists can't, and it's just another form of it's sexism. Not, oh, it's just well, you know, then you have to have your you have to go back to your rudimentary, you know, kind of power dynamics one hundred and one at that point, don't you? No, I don't believe yeah, I have. Yeah. I it probably never occurred to me to do it. I, I mean, I'm sure I've. It's kind of a bit of a myth anyway that, you know, it's like, oh, well, you flirt with them. And, you know, flirting is flirting is a sort of complicated social uh, mechanism which people get various mm. things out of and there's different levels of it and it's, you know, mostly good. And it can be quite chaste. It doesn't have to, like, lead... You know, when you know that nothing's going to come mm. of it, you are you can relax. It's part of, you know, it's it's a nice, relaxed thing to do. And I've had people you know, flirt with me a little bit and I flirt. And it's, that's quite, I think that's like a sophisticated way of communicating is when you can do that and put people at their ease and not put mm. people on edge mm. at all. But I mean, yeah, I never felt like I was in, you know, I was not in a position of, sorry, this is like a whole interesting other thing. I mean, I've never, I've said before on this podcast. Yeah, like, that's what yeah, we do. Chart music is an interesting other thing, if nothing else. I never felt like I had the upper hand with anybody at yeah. all. Yeah, I think that's crucial. They knew what they were doing more mm. than I did. Uh, they had, you know, they had the power. I was kind of floundering about trying to trying to get them to tell me things, and and um, I mean, I just wanted to go in there and apologise for like taking up their time, especially. I mean, you know, because like especially the time that I came to it, I think everyone was mm. people, especially were not massively up for talking to the maker anyway. By the end of it, you know, we went to a festival and people we had interviews lined up with people and they just didn't show because you know because apparently they weren't asked. Um, anyway, I am getting off the point here. The cool. point is. Uh, <laughs> Where we came in on this was about what it being inappropriate for men to drool over female musicians, which I would, yeah, I would agree with. It's gross and it's off-putting and just sort of immature. Yeah, beyond anything mm. else, it's just painful to read. I mean, I, I think you can talk about yeah. you can talk about people's appearance being astonishing and being them looking amazing. Mm. You can do that whichever gender you are and whichever yes. person that you're writing about but it's when it gets to that kind of creepy mm. i don't know yeah that that, that kind of leery lechiness yeah um i don't know yeah. i don't know how people can send copy through like that mm. i mean it it yeah well, it's like go. a public wank well, just keep it, yeah. it to yourself well it stands it, it stands out now because people have actually noticed that and gone and and there's been conversations and that stuff has been pointed out and, and kind of put aside because, you know, I mean, there's still stuff that gets through. I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago. Um, I say a couple of years ago. It's going to be five or ten years ago, isn't it? Um, but a guy wrote this um, mm. this thing about the uh, precise beauty of Megan Fox, the actress, and how right. 
and right. and that kind of went around the internet a bit. People just go, Jesus, what the fuck is this guy doing? Because he was trying to do a whole thing about <laughs> the the perfection of her face and 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 body, I think yeah. as well. And it was weird, and it didn't land right. But I think there's a way. It's kind no. of like with comedy, you know. It's like where you can make a joke about anything, but you have got to have your shit about you. You've got to have the the nous and the emotional intelligence across and the other kinds of intelligence to be able to talk yeah. about that. I'm sure yeah. there's, you know, there's. I'm sure we've read like exciting, kind of thrilling interviews where that's been under discussion. Like, how do you feel about your own beauty? That sort of, you know. But yeah, I, th- I, it, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't read well mostly when guys just go off on one because there's a certain sense of entitlement isn't there and like there, there's a there's a vulnerability because uh, yeah. like she cannot do anything about it and you know it, it must be it must be really creepy yeah. for, for you as a you know as a female musician to kind of have an interview in that way and it's all very polite and you know it's all very nice and then you read it and it's like oh god was that what he was thinking the whole time yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's watching... all about tone because I mean yeah, yeah. Claire Grogan must have read so many pieces like that that year of just just guys kind of turning into puddles <laughs> um yeah. And, and, and if that is getting in the way of, I don't know, writing about the music, writing about the voice, writing about the songs, then, yeah, I don't really see a point in it. But do you not think that, that the journalist and people like that were going, you know, look at me, I don't fancy your standard page three type. I've seen some beauty in Claire Grove. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perhaps that makes it you know even I mean? more grisly, though. Yeah, yeah. when yes. you're using, you're using yes. her to say something about... Your your really good taste in women, like that's, yeah. There's going to be people listening to this and going, "Oh, Neil said he fancied her earlier." No, he said he loved. He said he loved. Yeah, but her. yeah, and but, I, uh, I felt yeah, it. As a, I felt as a it. Person, yeah. <laughs> mm. But yeah, don't dribble on the page. It's the rules. Mm. <laughs> so, what else was on telly this day? Well, BBC One starts the day at eleven thirty with the final episode of King of the Rocket Men. Then it's the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew Mysteries, the News Afternoon, Regional News in Your Area, Pebble Mill at One, King Rollo and Stop Go. After two hours of the Barrett World Doubles Tennis Championship from the NEC, it's Regional News in Your Area, Play School, the Laurel and Hardy cartoon, the first episode of Huckabree Finn and his friends, News Round, Blue Peter, the Evening News, Regional News in Your Area again, Nationwide, and they've just finished, obviously, Tomorrow's World. BBC Two kicks off at 11 with Play School and then closes down for 35 minutes before coming back hard with nearly four hours of the Open University. (laughs) Then it picks up the tennis coverage before a repeat of All Creatures Great and Small. Then it's Ennals Point, the Welsh drama series about a lifeboat crew, the new summer air and they're currently five minutes into the documentary series The English Language, which talks to a farmer from North Holland and visits a club that speaks to each other in Anglo-Saxon because, I don't know, it's something to do, I suppose. (laughs) ITV commences at half nine with a school's programme splurge. Then it's The Bubblies, Little Blue, Get Up and Go and The Sullivans. After the news at one and regional news in your area, it's Take the High Road, Afternoon Plus, the miniseries Love Among the Artists, Three Little Words, the game show hosted by Ray Allen, Danger Mass, Little House on the Prairie, Take the Stage, the news at 5.45, Crossroads, 
regional news in your area, and they're half an hour into the 1970 David Lean film, Ryan's Daughter. Neil, what's jumping out at you from all that? Oh, King Rollo, for starters. These these kids' TV names are starting to be a little bit more familiar to me, um, without a doubt. Beyond that... Little Blue? Little Blue. You know, that immediately leapt at me, but honestly... Complete memory hole, that's fallen down. What the hell was Little Blue? Well, Little Blue was an uh, an elephant who um, was... Uh, his mum gave him a bath, but he started fucking about with a fountain pen. Ah, and yes. the ink went into the water. Wow, his mummy has a blue boy. Yes! Yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking yeah. hell. Yeah. And that's it. It's about a blue elephant. Oh, it was a simpler time. I do actually remember that, and I remember King Rollo, and I think I remember the... Um, the Huckleberry Finn thing as well. I probably it was probably a bit over yeah. my head, but I I remember all these. But the Laurel and Hardy cartoon. Yes, I, I have no recollection. Don't watch the Laurel and Hardy cartoon. Uh, okay, okay. Fuck it. It was it was rubbish. Was it bad? Okay, yeah. I, it, it, it was. Yeah. I can't imagine it being anything but bad. I, a little blue though. That I mean, the pitch for that must have been on the slimmest of pretenses. <laughs> it's like okay, it's an elephant who has a bath and his pen breaks and he's blue afterwards, and, and that's it. And what happens? What are, are we gonna are we gonna sell merchandise off that? Oh no, no, he, he just gets up to all sorts with with folk. He didn't have any special powers or anything. He was just a blue elephant. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, but that's like I, I feel like that there's a that there's was a certain purity about that. There's a certain kind of absurd purity. Yeah, but, but like I mean, having written a children, having dabbled in you know writing children's books myself, um, I'm, I'm aware most. I I would say it's like ninety nine percent of okay ninety seven percent of all children's books are just animal does thing with or without hat. And, uh, and yeah. the other 3% is David Williams doing whatever, whatever he feels like yeah. doing or whatever his ghostwriter feels like doing and making a million billion more pounds. So that's yeah. it. There you go. Uh, an elephant who um, takes a printer cartridge into the bath, Sarah. There you go. Brilliant. I'm on it. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give you a couple of couple of royalty points for that. All right, then, pop crazy youngsters. We've pumped up enough balloons and unfurled all the flags for this episode. So we're going to leave it there and invite you back very soon for part two of this episode of Chart Music. And don't forget, if you want the full episode without adverts right now, just get that sexy little arse of yours on patreon.com slash chart music. Drop $5 down this here G-string and watch us dance for you for the full length without any adverts. So on behalf of Neil Kulkarne and Sarah B, I invite you to stay clean, stay the fuck away from folk and stay pop crazed. (laughs) Chart music. Great big owl. All of television history is contained in the Box of Delights. I've climbed up Nelson's column once before. These are small. And put it down in front of Bagpuss. I'm Julia Rayside. Join me and my guests as we dip into our favourite TV memories. Boys mustn't hesitate bashing their head like this. You can't tell me what to do, you ain't my mother! I love when a plan comes together. Come and tell us what yours are too. We've all been told we can't discuss nominations. It's a bit of car air. Shut up. Put a novel on the top. I think I like you, Lovejoy. Find us on Twitter at Box Delights Pod and listen wherever you get your podcasts. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.